0: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
1: Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master new skill.
0: It's time, it's time. time, time to get in the zone, time to
3: get in the
0: zone with the 49ers Web Zone. This is the No Huddle Podcast with Al, Zane, and Brian.
2: What is up, 49ers fans? We are back with another episode of 49ers Web Zone No Huddle Podcast. We got Zane Nackby, we got Brian Randick, we got Al Sacco, and we got a special guest with us today as well. Jason Aponte is here. What's up, man? How you doing?
4: What's up, Zane? Thank you guys for having me. Um, I'm a WebZone alum, too, so this is kind of fun for me. I think I've only done one of these uh, without, but it's uh, it's good to be uh, talking with you guys about this, especially after a 49ers win.
2: And to that point, if you hear this voice and you see this face, that means only one thing, victory podcast. And it is a tradition. We've kept on for the season. We're going to keep it going. Man, it was a struggle. It was not pretty. It was... A slog, and there's one thing that I take away from this, and it is this defense may be one of the all-time great 49er defenses, just phenomenal, like stout at every single level, creating turnovers. At one point, I had tweeted out three separate times that this is the time the 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 second half shutout streak ends. Three separate times I tweeted that out. Three separate times they got to stop. So that also means that I'm the the reverse jinx too, right? So I'll just start (laughs) tweeting stuff out, and the opposite will happen, right? But guys,
0: this defense. Just nails, unbelievable. You know what? It's like it got to the point where they got some breaks. Sure, the lobby catch that that seemed like a catch to me. I don't know what world that is in a catch. They had a couple drops in the end zone for New Orleans, (laughs) but you're gonna need breaks, you're gonna need luck. And they gave the Niners an inch, and the Niners shut the door so it, it. by the end of the second half, I was like, this is just unbelievable. And you look at some of the numbers, and, and we know them. Jay, I mean, this defense, six quarters now without a TV, TD. They haven't given up without any points, I should say. They haven't given up any points in the last four games in the second half. They've only given up 100. Well, actually, the team's given up 173 points. They've only given up 157, if my math is right, in the 11 games. 15.7 points per game. They've only given up over 20 points, I think, twice all season. Or over 19 points twice all season. You, it's just been insane. Did you see this coming, Jay? In like, what do you think the difference is this year between last year with the defense?
4: Well, I mean, I th- I think I did. And, and in terms of the weapons that the, the the Saints had, right? And and you start to think about who can really hurt you. The one the one matchup that I was a little bit concerned about was would they move Chris Olave around on Jimmy Ward? And that started to come to fruition like towards the end of that game, towards the red zone. But when you look at it, it's still Andy Dalton, and I think the difference that you have when you're looking at this defense from the other things is just one man. And if everybody's talking about somebody who's him, D'Amico Ryan's is him, man. I mean, I, I mean, he is finding a way to get it done. And also, one thing that this defense is doing better than other defenses of the past is turnovers, and 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 turnovers in the red zone, turnovers when it when you need it the most, when you it's it almost feels like. People speaking into existence on Twitter. Man, we really would like a turnover here. Well, that's when Talano Ufanga puts his helmet on the football and the ball comes out. Or there's a ball that bounces one way and somebody's able to jump on it. That seems to be the difference now. And, and there's defenses that are stout, can stop, right? But if you're not turning the ball over, it's almost like you're just hoping to just stop for field goals. Now you're not waiting for that anymore. Now you're stopping them and turning the ball over and giving it back to your offense. I think that's probably the biggest difference besides D'Amico Ryan's.
3: Yeah, I I, I don't want to understate, I think, how important Traverius Ward has been to this defense. Um, you know, last year we were talking about a defense who was uh, consistently running out there with uh, the corpse of uh, Josh Norman and uh, what was it, Dre Kirkpatrick and just, you know, Dante Johnson, right? Like just nobody's. Not, and I don't want to, I don't want to disparage Dante Johnson. I really like Dante Johnson. The barnacle is who he is. He's integral to this team. Um, This team can't exist without a Dante Johnson on the roster. But Charverius Ward, uh, just to have somebody on one side of the field that you know can lock it down, and they don't even play that much man-to-man. And that's why you know some people have said like, hey, Ward hasn't played very well the past few games. And it's like, no, they just played a lot of zone. And so if you're playing zone, you're going to give up catches. But the nice thing about Ward and, and everybody in that secondary is that they tackle, and they tackle well. And so we haven't had a lot of missed tackles, which has been key, I think, for this defense as well. And like you said, Jay, the, just the 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 opportune turnovers, right? Um, the turnovers that you aren't expecting. What what was the stat? Uh, Kamara had two fumbles lost in the first four seasons of his career, or whatever. And and they 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 took it away from him twice uh, last game, which is just you know just nails. So. I I think, like you said, it, it is D'Amico Ryan's, and and I will miss him next year when he's coaching somewhere else, because uh, that is I think inevitable at this point. But uh, but this is it's it's a lot of fun, and you know this is a this is a league designed to to get into shootouts, a, a league designed to have a lot of high powered offenses, and to have a, a just an absolute ass kicking defense is is really fun to watch.
0: I think the difference for me is Hufunga. And I say that because the Niners have not had a ball hawk type guy um, they've had a lot of good defenses, but they haven't had a guy like this. And you look at some of the plays he's made. Think of the Rams game, the first ran games. And yeah, the Niners dominated that game, but it was a one score game late. And then Hufunga makes the pick. And in this game, too, if the Saints get in the end zone, who knows what's going to happen? Because the Niners offense, and we'll talk about it, you know, wasn't really having a good day. And he puts, he lays a lick the ball pops out again, it's, it's him making the play. So Jay with who Funga did you, did you see this coming with him? I mean, he was a guy, a lot of people liked last year, but when you find out he was going to start and he was going to be strong safety, what were your expectations for him? And how much has he exceeded those for you?
4: I don't think I really uh, shied away from my concerns in terms of being in the right spot, right. Understanding your, your position, sometimes being beat. Right. And, and I laid out how he can improve on those things. I think the the flashing light bulb went off for me at training camp when I was there every day. And when he had to cover one-on-one and he was winning those battles consistently, he just looks completely different. There is something to the idea of certain players just being around the ball. They just are, no matter what. It always seems like whenever there's a, a fumble a recovery or a f- forced fumble or an interception, he seems to be around that. There is something that needs to be said about that. There is a talent for that. He's playing with anticipation. He's being put in in places where he can be successful. He's being allowed to just fire off on the ball. He looks like he shot out of a cannon. I never said that he couldn't. I definitely have my concerns. So I will say this on your podcast. I was wrong about Taranohu Funk. I was a big Tukoski Tart guy. I love what he brought in terms of the safety and what he could do. And, and he never gave up big plays. But when sometimes if Hufanga fires and misses a tackle because he's firing off too fast, he makes it up by turning the ball over. So you, it's give and take. I 100 percent am eating crow on Talano Hufanga. He's been absolutely incredible. And it, it all started in training camp. You could see it coming to fruition. He's just playing with confidence. And D'Amico knows how to use him.
3: Hey, if you're listening to this podcast right now, go to the NFL.com Vote for Talano Hufanga for Pro Bowl. Uh, he's, he's, he's too low right now. He's too low in the strong safety eighth,
0: category right now. I saw, right. He's way down. That's there. what we saw today. Yeah.
3: So let's, let's, uh, let's get him up there
0: more. They're his not four. Eight, sorry, his four interceptions guys. Still six games to play. They're the most the 49ers have had since 2014 Parish Cox. Remember him. <laughs> Had five that year and uh Bethay and Culliver both had four that year. So the Niners have not turned the ball over a lot. They've had some really good defenses under Shanahan, but they haven't turned the ball over a lot. And you're seeing that more now with him. The only player they had with more than two picks was Sherman and in, in 2019 had three. So to have Hu Funga come in here and yeah, just make those plays, those game-changing plays. He's got, I think, seven tackles for loss too. So he's just really out there. He's just he's a ball hawk. And I think to me, he he's been having plays like that is a huge difference for them.
2: Yeah. And, and Jay, I want to kind of ask you about the defensive line real quick. And it's just an embarrassment of riches right now. Obviously Eric Armstead, Juan Kinlaw out, hoping to get both of them back at some point this season. And you drop them into that defensive line. That is, if not the league's best, one of the league's best defensive lines right now with obviously Nick Bosa, just the, just the superstar, but opposite him, Charles Menehu has had a really quiet, a very quietly good season and can you kind of talk about that spot opposite, like Nick Bosa specifically? With you know, they they rotate guys there. They have Drake Jackson there as well, and along the line, Jordan Willis has played well. Can you kind of talk about that a little bit and and kind of that, how that's buoyed the defense a little bit?
4: Well, for sure. And I mean, Charles Menahue, you're playing yourself into a bag. Just don't play yourself out of the bag for the 49ers. I would love to see you back. And, and yes. I think it, it's a combination of the embarrassment of riches and what D'Amico has been able to do. I don't know if you guys notice in Mexico City, they're lining up Drake Jackson inside. They had yeah. Ebucom out for this game. They've got a Menehue outside. He's finding ways like Jordan Willis was setting the edge incredibly in the Arizona game as well. They have so many guys who are so versatile. Kerry Heider can kick inside. So much of this has to do with not only the depth, but the way that D'Amico has been able to, to figure out ways to dial it up, it's not just four and go get them now. Like, you're finding guys in different spots right now. Omeni playing himself into a bag. Eric Armstead shows up, and, and I think the funniest stat out of this game, and I had to double-check it when I heard it on the broadcast, the 49ers are the first in almost every single metric when it comes to defense. Almost dead last on third and short. Well, yes, I wonder where that is. Last. They're miss. Yeah, they're missing that guy in the middle who can plug up when people want to do things like that. So Eric Armstead coming back only bolsters this, but it has to do with so much of what they have built with their depth. They bet on guys on traits. They bet on on Chris Koster being able to coach them up, and then D'Amico knows how to use them and create that that pressure with stunts and these and these actions and everything. It's it's something beautiful to see. So yeah. I would put them at the top of the league because they still haven't even gotten all of their guys back right now at this point. And Trey Jackson is so green right now. He's not even really playing, but he's up there with pressure rates for rookies and sacks for rookies. A lot of that has to do with how talented he is. A lot of that has to do with the fact that D'Amico is picking his spots with him. It's a beautiful time for the defensive line right now.
3: That's the one thing that you know. This, this this defense is built around the defensive line. We know that. That's where all of the you know. That's where I would not all, but the majority of the investment is right. You've got you've got an expensive investment in Charvarius Ward. You've also got one in Fred Warner. But the majority of of the investment is on the defensive line. And D'Amico, like we said, he's going to leave. He's he's going somewhere. We don't know where, but he's going somewhere. But what I hope and 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 I assume is that Chris Kusurik is probably not going with him. And that I think is the key because I think a lot of what we're talking about, a lot of the versatility, a lot of even the even some of the the stunts and things that are that are designed, a lot of that is Chris Kasurick. And so, you know, D'Amico, I'm not trying to take anything away from him. He's incredible. But as long as to me, as long as Chris Kasurick stays here, I think this defense is going to be one of the best in, the, in in the league. Simply because he's the best defensive line coach in the NFL. I don't feel like there's a whole lot of argument against that. And so yeah, you've got guys that it's it's like they find this this uh physical profile and they go, look, we can have that on the outside and we can kick that inside. And so when you get to that turbo package, when you get to third down and you know it's a rush and all of a sudden you've got Nick Bosa, uh Charles Amenahu, Drake Jackson, and Jordan Willis all on the line at the same time, it's like who who are you blocking? (laughs) Like you're going to double someone, probably Nick. And all of a sudden you've got all of these guys that are, that are ready to wreck shop. So it's, I mean, it, like I said, as long as, as long as that, that defensive line continues to play the way that they've played, I, this defense is going to continue to, I, I'm not going to say pitch shutouts in the second half. Um, you know, I, I was texting with a buddy of mine, Tim, uh, and and we're going to be at the game on Sunday. I'm excited about it, but I think that scoreless streak is, is, is probably ending in the first quarter. Mm-hmm. I would assume uh, yeah. maybe even on the first drive, you never know, but, yeah. but, but uh, I, I, smart I still think on they Miami have, scoring points.
4: In this for game, sure. I but yeah, I, but I
3: also think that Miami, Miami hasn't played a defense, a good defense, since they played the jets in week five and the jets defense wasn't even as good as it is now. So they haven't really been tested. And I think that's what I'm most excited about is let's see what this Miami offense looks like against an actual good defense and not like a bears defense or a Texans defense or a Detroit lions defense, you know, these historically bad defenses. This is a historically good defense. Uh, 18 straight quarters without allowing uh nine without allowing nine points or oh sorry 19 straight quarters now allowing nine points or less, which is just incredible.
0: Jay, you said something that stuck out to me. You said the word traits, and and I don't think it's talked about enough about how the Niners built this defense because when you look at a lot of the guys who are on here and they're contributing, yeah, you got your Boses right, you got your Armstead, your first round picks that we know about, your Trevarius Ward who they went out and signed, but remember when they got a ManiHugh last year. And they were three and four, three and five, whatever they will. And I'm like, who gives a shit about this trade? I'm like, this is a joke. I was all pissed, right? <laughs> and you look at some of these other guys they brought in: Greenlaw's a fifth rounder. Who, who Fungo was a late round pick. Manuel Mosley, who, who the who the hell was he when he came in? Fred Having Warner, third or, round. Will yeah. Warner was a third rounder. So you look at all these guys that they come in, and there's not, you know, stars everywhere. It's kind of guys that are becoming stars, but it was guys like you said, and that's a word that again, it was traits they just see these traits in these guys and they plug them in and they built them into this fantastic defense and i don't think they've got enough credit for that
4: yeah and and that's the thing is we we kind of give the the front office some shit sometimes and we're like well you missed on this draft pick but Mm -hmm. in the same way when you talk about that you have to give them their props for finding jordan willis for a Menahue. i mean they got arden key paid arden key was somebody who was drafted very highly by the raiders Mm -hmm. and and the jaguars gave him a bag it's them being able to identify traits that they're able to get the most out of with Chris Kosarik, and look at what's happening. I mean, Charles Omenegu, like you said, was a bit of a cast off the Texans. And you feel like that trade is not a needle mover and all. And now look, Omenegu playing himself into a contract. I mean, Kerry Hyder yeah. has this relationship with with Chris Kosarik. In 2020, he becomes a sack leader when Nick Bosa goes down. He goes to Seattle, comes right back, and now he's a rotational piece. I think there, there needs to be more of a discussion and more flowers given to the front office for being able to identify these undrafted free agents, guys that they're able to, like Aziz Al-Shair, like all of these guys, that you're able to not only just have them step in and play snaps, but be impactful players and know that you have the coaching staff that's able to bring all that out. I think that is something that is lost because we just get lost in the sauce about draft picks.
0: Yeah, and I'll never, yeah. Knock, I'll never knock the front office again. Yeah. Even the offensive line, we were bitching about that, right? Like Brendel, oh, God, he's a journeyman. He's almost 30. And, you know, they're, they're starting Burford already, and Aaron Banks is a bust. And I mean, Banks had a rough game this past game, but he's been great. These guys have been really good, really, really good. So you get pissed because McGlinchey maybe isn't – well, he definitely isn't what you want in a top-10 tackle, but he's not a bad player. He has some bad plays. It's not, I don't think he's a bad player, but they've done a really good job overall. Of just look, this is one of the best rosters in the NFL. Like, I don't know how anybody, if you want to talk about the QB stuff, we'll see, but I don't know. Anybody can not throw an office after what they put together.
3: Yeah. Jordan Willis came over from the jets for a seventh round pick.
4: That was another trade that they made that, and now he's been here he for,
3: you know, however. And Jordan long.
4: Willis Jordan Willis doesn't have to pay for a drink in the Bay area ever again in his life, (laughs) right? Like again, look what you gave up for that. And he literally has one of the most special plays in 49ers playoff history. And again, just speaks to to them being able able to identify guys that they know they can get the most out of. Absolutely. And, And as
0: this team moves forward, it's, you know me; I can be as pep- I'm very pessimistic, and I can always find things wrong. Al's and- our wet blanket. It's the new here. It is right. You <laughs> feel a little bit right. We're both East Coast guys. Like yep. that's how we roll. Like you just, we're always pissed. We're always waiting for the next yeah. thing. You know, we always hold our teams to a high standard. But now I'm coming around. Look, they're really inconsistent. And I, if they lost three of the next four, I'd probably be like, "Yeah, I'm not surprised." If they went out the rest of the year, I'd be like, "I'm not surprised." But. What they've built on the field, it's it's really exciting. And it and it starts with that defense. And I'm feeling really this game, even though it was, you know, only three nothing and then only 10 nothing, I never thought they were gonna lose. Not once because uh, I don't think the Saints were gonna score. But that's the kind of feeling you get right now, is just I feel like they're gonna find a way right now. And I think that's that's the biggest compliment I can give them.
3: Well, I also think we gloss over the fact that the Saints came into this game averaging the same amount of points per game as the 49ers did on offense. It's 22 point something for the saints. And I think maybe 23 for the 49ers after that uh, Monday night game, but to, to, to shut a team like that out is impressive as hell. And not only that, but a team that hasn't been shut out since 2001,
0: but I think the most yeah, Drew, unique Drew Brees is a lot different than any Dalton. That's <laughs> sure, and that's fine. But but
3: Drew Brees wasn't there in 2001. That's the thing, Is it's that's a 20. I mean, we're talking 20 years.
0: That's a wasn't impressive it Aaron
4: Banks, uh, Aaron Brooks? No, I mean, Aaron I mean, in the,
0: like it was impressive shutting out the Saints maybe like 18 the last oh, 20 years, yeah, not so much mm-hmm. in the last you know it's not the same well like
4: i said they've
3: been scoring 22 points a game it's not like they're the one of the worst offenses in in the in the nfl um but i think the most the most impressive stat that i saw was the last four times the saints have been shut out it's been by the 49ers it's like how does that how does something that, yeah. like that happen that's crazy i love it mm-hmm. i love it
4: you know what's so think the most to- impressive oh i'm sorry I'll...
0: no go ahead Jay. Well, one, you, thing,
4: go ahead. one thing i found that was impressive is is that last stretch of the game right it's the end of the game. You guys are tired. And they had like three red zone opportunities. Right. And I understand it's four down territory. You're not going to take your field goals there or anything like that. That could have easily ended the streak if they wanted to be jerks about it. But they're trying to win the game. Right. But right. being able to keep them out of the end zone that close. Like, again, there still needs to be something to be said about that. I don't care if that's a high school team or a college team. You get three red zone trips in a row like that, like at the end of the game. One of those has to be converted somehow if you're yeah. going to be doing four, four down territory. So I thought that was the most impressive part of that.
3: And then Nick Bosa yeah. ending it with that fourth down sack was.
4: Yeah, he's just been incredible. Perfect. All, incredible all season.
3: Perfect.